Thank you so much for that message in song. May it be as we come into 2020 on the first Sunday, the very first service, let it be the name of Jesus that we proclaim. If you'll find in your Bibles, Jeremiah chapter 1. Jeremiah chapter 1, we'll be looking in Jeremiah for the next uh, few weeks. You'll find Jeremiah toward the last half of the Old Testament in the section known as the Major Prophets, just before the Minor Prophets. They're called major prophets and minor prophets, not because one's more important or better than the other, simply because some of the books are longer. The longer books are called the major, shorter books are called the minor. That's the only reason which that is called. But uh, looking forward to uh, looking at uh, some of these passages from Jeremiah and hope that you will join us. Welcome back, 830 service. We're glad you found your way back. And uh, also want to take a word to say thank you for your understanding as we move to one service uh, over the last couple of weeks, that before Christmas and before New Year services, sometimes folks are traveling. I was pleasantly surprised on uh, how well attended those were and certainly our New Year's Eve service. And But I appreciate you uh, kind of making the change some. You had to go to late to lunch late on both of those Sundays, and I apologize for that, but you look like you've all eaten well uh, since and before and after, so uh, we appreciate you understanding. I'm not sure the 11 o'clock people would have been so ready to make the change if we just had the 8.30 service. Don't tell them I said that, but I appreciate you, and we thank you so much, of course, for being a part of this. And we know that as we move into this uh, new year, it's also a new decade, time for a new beginning. We know that the Lord's going to be uh, always and be at work in our lives and the life of our church. We look forward and thank the Lord for all that He's done and are looking forward and anticipating all that He's going to be doing in these coming days. I'm going to ask if you would, would you stand and honor the reading of God's Word? We're going to be reading verses 4 through 10. And then if you would remain standing, if you're able, uh, as we say a prayer for this service and for the new year as well. We're in Jeremiah chapter 1, beginning with verse 4. Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Then I said, Ah, Lord God, behold, I do not know how to speak, for I am only a youth. But the Lord said to me, Do not say I am only a youth, for to all to whom I send you, you shall go, and whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord put out His hand and touched my mouth, and the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have set you this day over nations and over kingdoms to pluck you up and to break down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. May the Lord bless the reading of His holy word today. Would you remain standing as we pray together? Most gracious Heavenly Father, we come to you today on this first Sunday of this new year and even of this decade, and we thank you, Father. We look to the past, and we thank you for how you have been with us individually. Father, as we can think of many ways in which you've helped us through difficult times, ways that you have overwhelmed us with your presence and bringing us joy in our lives. And we thank you, Father, for your continued watch care in every circumstance and situation. We thank you for our church. We thank you for growth that we have seen both in bringing us new members and guests, as well as seeing lives transformed and changed. And we thank you for helping us to become more like Jesus. And Father, we look forward to the future and how you're going to be at work. The lives of us individually, Father, we want to commit ourselves to you on this day, recognizing that you have a great work to accomplish in us and while we're here on this earth. You want to continue to use us and to touch our lives and help us and to shape us 
mold us into who you want us to be. And Father, we also recognize as a church that you have a great task for us. Father, to continue to bring glory and honor to your name, continue to point others to the way of Jesus, to reach and to touch others in our community and even around the world. And Father, we pray that we may be ready for the task, Father. We pray even today that we may consecrate ourselves, commit ourselves ready, Father, to follow you in every way in which you would have us to follow. We thank you, Father, for calling us into service. We thank you for this service today. And we pray, Father, dedicate ourselves to you. May everything that we do today be pleasing in your sight. We now pray, Father, uh, that the words of my mouth, meditation of our hearts will be pleasing in your sight. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer, precious name of the Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. And you may be seated. I can remember the very first time that I met my oldest daughter. Now, I want to tell you that's been over 30 years ago, and uh, my wife remembers it a little bit differently of how it actually took place and what actually took place. But my goodness, uh, and she remembers these things and these kinds of things a whole lot better than I do, but, you know, she was under a little bit of duress, and here I was, I was just in the room. And I remember we anticipated like a lot of parents do, I know for nine months waiting for the child to be born and exactly that day and how it would be. We chose not to know the gender of the baby. Now you understand this is before they had all the big gender reveal parties with cake and confetti and presents and all of these things. Had we known we could throw a party, my goodness, we might have... uh, wanted to know, but we wanted we were going to be surprised on the day of. And there we were in the room, and the nurse, I'm sure as she is trained to do, maybe to distract the father, you know, maybe at a crucial time, she asked, she says, now what are you going to, what are you going to name the baby? And I said, well, we've decided if it's a boy, we're going to name him such and such, but we hadn't decided about the girl. If it's a girl, we're going to either name her Julie, or we might name her. And before I could get another name out, she said, Hello, Julie. And there she is holding the baby. Now you'll have, to, you'll have to ask Kelly how that conversation really went. But that's how I remember it. And how I remember it is the nurse named our baby. Now, I did not know that I could, outside of the love that I have for my Lord Jesus and the love that I had for my wife, that I could love a human being as much as I love that little girl and still love her today. So much so that 18 months later when our next child was born, our next baby girl was born, I I was full of anxiety. And I didn't tell anybody, but I was afraid that I couldn't love this, this next one as much as I loved the first one. Ah, but when she was born and I laid my eyes on her for the very first time, I realized that I loved her ever as much. And now, today, because she's probably going to be in one of our services now, she is my favorite. Now, don't tell Julie, because when Julie's in the room and she's not, then Julie is my favorite, you understand. But now, there's a grandson in the mix. We have one grandson now. Guess who is the favorite? Well, they both are. And I remember it like it was yesterday, because it almost was about six months ago when I met my grandson for the very first time. I must have been holding the door because my wife had come in and my daughter's in-laws had come into the room and there was my son-in-law holding my grandson and he said, who wants to hold the baby first? And the other three hesitated, but I didn't. And what I remember was that it was, they were almost there, almost in a zigzag line in front of me. And so I swam my way through and said, I'll hold the baby. And there 
I held the baby for the first time. It was kind of a jerky thing to do to jump out in front of them, but I have not regretted it for one moment. <laughs> but this is not new to you. Because your parents or your grandparents or you have parents and grandparents and oh, how they love you. Now let's compare that to what God said to and about Jeremiah. He said, I knew you before I formed you in the womb. I consecrated you or I adorned you. I chose you before you were born and I've appointed you to be God's prophet. How God loved Jeremiah and had a plan for his life. There's an unmistakable calling on the life of Jeremiah. Well, is it so different for Jeremiah than for anyone else? Does God love you as much as He loves Jeremiah? I'm going to make a biblical argument today that He does. He knew you before He made you and there's a calling on your life. Here's where your calling may be different from Jeremiah's calling. Not too many of us are called to be Old Testament prophets. But as specific as Jeremiah's call, God has a particular plan and call on your life regardless of your age or regardless of your season of life. Wouldn't you like to know what it is? Or maybe you already know and yours is to stay the course these next four weeks during the month of January, and maybe particularly today, will help us to be faithful to the mission and to the task and to the calling that God has for each of us in this room and the task that God has for this church. I fully believe that if you'll pay attention to God's Word for you from this text and from these verses, God will reveal to you how to discover His call on your life or to confirm what you believe is God's call and how to stay the course. Jeremiah had a word from the Lord. I want you to notice the difference between word and words. Of course, words is plural, but just to say word carries with it a little bit more importance or a little bit more weight. We still use it today. Is there a word from the battlefield? Have we gotten a word from the doctor yet? Speaking of babies, maybe it's, uh, well, what's the word? Are we going to pass the due date? Well, Jeremiah received a word from the Lord. These are not just any words. They carry great weight and great importance. Notice the very first word, the first words in Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse 1. Jeremiah is the one who's writing this book, and he's right. These are the words of Jeremiah. Actually, he's using a scribe that we're told in the Bible here, uh, who he dictates to this scribe by the name of Baruch. But often throughout the 52 chapters of this great book, Jeremiah proclaims, this is the word of the Lord. You can look at chapter 2 and verse 1, and it says, the word from the Lord. Jeremiah writes the words that he's letting you know that this is the word from the Lord, and it's an important word. I know you, I've called you, I've appointed you. This is what I want you to do. It's an important word also for you and for me, for God knows you. He has appointed you as something particular that He wants you to do. Jeremiah's first response was pretty typical, we might say. When Moses was called, you might remember from the burning bush, and God spoke to him. You remember what Moses said. Moses, Moses said, Lord, not me, I don't speak very good. He might have said very well, but maybe since he didn't speak well, he said, I don't speak good. And then he said, you know, uh, Lord, he said, they'll not believe me when I come and tell them. He said, Lord, Moses said, Lord, please send someone else. When Isaiah was called and the 
presence of the Lord filled the temple. Isaiah proclaimed, Lord, I'm a man of unclean lips and I dwell among a people of unclean lips. Jeremiah responds like a lot of people do to God's call. Ah, Lord. <laughs> said, I, I don't know what to say. said, I won't know how to speak. I'm only a youth. The Hebrew word for youth means 20 years or younger. God called him as a teenager. So young people and college students, boy, what an amazing lesson for, for you to understand. God wants to get your attention today. He wants you to follow His will for your life. Boy, waiting can be a dangerous game. Not that God cannot call you and change you at later date or any time in your life. He wants to come and impact your life. But not only are we not promised tomorrow, but when we go down the wrong road or the road not chosen for you by God, then how even more difficult it is then to get on the right road. And it's even more difficult later than to make the right choice. So this is a passage you should pay attention to, for God's not waiting to ask you to follow Him. Sometime off in the future, the time is now. Like Jeremiah, we often use our age maybe sometimes as our excuse. I'm too young now. I would not know what to do or what to say. Besides, I have plenty of time to get around to that. Well, after I get, get out of school and after I get a real job and settle down, well, then I can worry about following Jesus and answering His call. Hey, I just got married. Maybe when we have kids, well, you know, then we can worry about finding a church and all that goes with that. When my kids get older, when uh, then maybe it be time to be able to follow God and do those things. We just got the kids out of the house. We're going to travel some and focus on us for a while. Besides, I got grandchildren to go and see. Following Jesus and answering His call... I sure wish I had done that when I was younger. Boy, I wish I'd have followed God's call earlier in life. But you know, it's really kind of too late for me now. Let younger folks worry about that. God has a call on your life. If you're here, you're breathing, you're here in this room, God has a call on your life. Don't let age or the season of life be your excuse. Jeremiah, in typical fashion, again, after some reluctance and more reassurance by God answered God's call on his life. Now, he was from a priestly family. His dad was a priest. His granddaddy was a priest. He was expected fully to follow in the family business. And while being a priest in Israel would have its own challenges, and people would have thought well of him that this young boy would have become a priest, it probably would have been a little bit easier thing to do because as a priest in the Old Testament, there were the daily duties, there were particular actions to follow, and he could have followed those things well. But God had other plans. Jeremiah's often known as the weeping prophet, even sometimes the complaining prophet. But as we will see, he stayed faithful to God. And as we'll find out, Jeremiah's not just a prophet of judgment and doom, he's also a prophet of hope. See and learn from his faithfulness. The politician asks, is it popular? The diplomat asks, is it safe? The one who is a follower of the Lord God asks, is it God's will? Is it the right thing to do regardless? So let's get into filling out some of your blanks if we can. Here's what you need to know about your call. First thing is this, your call will demand your all. Your call will demand your all. Do you know about the kings of Judah? 
kings of Judah, they were all descendants of King David, which is a pretty miraculous thing when you think about it, because many generations that come along to be kings of Judah, and most of them were not very good guys. They were just not most. Some were, but most were not very good ethically or morally. They weren't godly people. But after the reign of King David's son, King Solomon, the king of Israel was divided into two nations or kingdoms. Uh, there was the northern kingdom of Israel made up of the ten tribes, and then there was the southern kingdom, referred to often as Judah, though technically two tribes, the southern kingdom was Judah. David's descendants reigned over Judah. By the time Jeremiah was born, the northern kingdom had already pretty much been exiled and wiped out. Some of the... Uh, some of the ones from the northern kingdom had married Gentiles and they became what we know of in the New Testament as Samaritans. Jeremiah was born when Manasseh was the king of Israel. Now, why would that be important? Manasseh was the most evil king who ever reigned over Israel. Boy, the apple far from, far from the tree. How could he have been related to King David? He became king when he was 12 years old, was easily influenced, but he turned the people toward idol worship more than any other king had. In fact, 2 Kings chapter 21 and verse 9 says this. 2 Kings 21 verse 9, Manasseh led them astray to do more evil than the nations had done whom the Lord destroyed before the people of Israel. And that's a pretty strong statement. I mean, Israel was now doing worse than the nations who were living in the promised land before the Israelites came and the Lord moved them out of the promised land and the Israelites had defeated them. Also, the Scripture tells us Manasseh shed much innocent blood. We're not told exactly how or why or what, but so much so that he said that Jerusalem was filled from one end of the other. No wonder holy God's getting upset. God needed someone to speak to him. God said to Jeremiah, before you were formed in the womb, I knew you before you were born. I consecrated and I knew you and I appointed you. Let us know among many other things that human life is sacred from conception to the grave. But also God has a plan for Jeremiah. God needed, God's people needed a word from the Lord, even if they would not listen. It sure seems that Jeremiah was born for such a time as this. Morally and spiritually, things seemed at their worst with no hope for change. And Jeremiah was called to let God's people know they needed to repent and turn back to God before it's too late and to offer hope. Well, today, are things much better morally and spiritually speaking? It seems commonplace today to hear of another random shooting that has taken place. Last Sunday, a shooting at a church in Fort Worth, Texas, not far from where Brother Dick and Ross and I went to school. Not far from where we have some students of ours who are studying in school for ministry. Even now, this shooting, shooting took place. We... This morning our prayers are with that particular church family. It's been asked that all Fort Worth policemen wear uniforms today and find a place in which they can go and worship to reassure the people of safety that is taking place 
We pray for them today. Well, where is God? Where was God when the Israelites were in slavery in Egypt and were being beaten and forsaken? Well, He was calling Moses. Where was God when the Israelites were turning away from God into idol worship and were among the worst that they had been? Perhaps at the time that Jeremiah was born. Well, he was at work in the heart of Jeremiah. Where's God today? He's at work today and He's working in the hearts of those who know and love Him, of you and me. And He's calling us to be people of influence, to speak up and to say the words that need to be said, to show love and to be able to point other people to Jesus and live in such a way that people are able to see and be influenced by the goodness and the glory of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And here's what you need to know about your call from God. You live in a perilous and difficult time spiritually. You live in a perilous time. It's not just that you need to know times are difficult, so here's fair warning. But it's because you live in a perilous time that you need to respond to God's call. God needs a Jeremiah to speak for Him, live before others, have a positive influence on this world, and for all to know that Jesus is here and Jesus is the answer. You're here for such a time as this. Jeremiah, in Jeremiah chapter 1, he was shown two visions or two illustrations. These may not have been miraculous visions because these may have been things that he saw every day and he saw them particularly when God asked him. But notice, if you would, verse 11 and 12. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 11 says, And the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Jeremiah, what do you see? And Jeremiah said, I see an almond branch. Then the Lord said to me, You have seen well, for I am watching over my word to perform it. A budding almond branch was very common. So when God asked him what he saw, this is, may have been where he was looking. He may have been looking out the window at that particular moment. He may have just... They may have been outside, or he might have seen a vision of an almond branch. We don't know. But in order for us to understand and appreciate this passage, you either need to be a Bible scholar, or you need to have a good Bible commentary or a good study Bible. Well, fortunate for you, you know somebody who is somebody who has a Bible commentary. So we want you to be able to understand and appreciate this passage. The word for almond branch We'll say it in the Hebrew, but it is shakid, spelled S-H-A-K-E-I-D if we were to spell it with English letters. And the Hebrew word for watches is similar to that, or sees. It is, maybe even to be on guard, it is shokid, S-H-O instead of S-H-A-K-E-I-D. Close enough that it's a play on words. But it's also the fact that the almond branch would be the very first thing to branch in the new year. Sometimes to blossom in the new year. Sometimes it would even blossom in January and letting people know that spring is coming or that spring is here. So it's a play on words enough to say that you see this almond branch, which sounds like the word watch, to remind you and he lets you know that God is still watching over the nation of Israel. And so, regardless of what God's people do, even if judgment falls, God's still watching over them. Do you remember the promise to Abraham? God told Abraham, you'll be the father of a great nation. Well, they're a great nation. But what also, what did He say? He says, through you all the nations of the world will be blessed. Now, how will all the nations of the world be blessed? 
ultimately it will be through Jesus. God's going to keep His promise. He'll not relinquish His watch over Israel. Israel, particularly Judah, will continue to be God's people. Boy, that's a good news in a trying time. Then God showed Jeremiah another vision. Look at verses 13 and 14 of Jeremiah chapter 1. It says this, The word of the Lord came to me a second time, saying, What do you see? And I said, I see a boiling pot facing away from the north. Then the Lord said to me, Out of the north, disaster shall be let loose upon all the inhabitants of the land. He saw a boiling pot leaning over from the north and spilling out toward the south. And then God interpreted this picture, this illustration of the vision that He saw. The enemy from the north would invade and devastate the land and its people because of their disobedience and because they were worshiping other gods and idols. Who's the enemy from the north? King Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonian people. One reason Jeremiah had such a hard time was because when he began his ministry, Babylon had not risen to power. The Assyrians and the Egyptians were in charge and were the powerhouse of the day. In their rise to power, Babylon defeated Assyria and defeated Egypt, and God used the pagan Babylonian people to exile and to bring down the kingdom of Judah. The people of asked Jeremiah, how could this prophecy be true when he began to preach and tell them that from the north, and they knew an event from the north, it would be Babylon and King Nebuchadnezzar. They would ask, how could this be true when Babylon's not even a threat at the time? Now, Jeremiah, known as the weeping prophet, because he wept over the nation's refusal to repent and sometimes seemingly wept over his own problems. He's the writer of Lamentations because he lamented Israel's fall as a nation. He had complaints. Sometimes even complained what God was doing. But he always took his complaints to God and he kept on trusting in Him. He did not fail to persevere or falter. Here's what you need to know about your call. You can endure through your doubts. You can endure through your discouragements. Even when the world seems to be out of control and all seems hopeless, you know there's hope. You got complaints. You feel like weeping. You're wondering what God's up to. Well, me too sometimes. Tell God all about it. He's big enough to handle whatever you bring to Him. Many people bring their complaints to God, but sometimes only after they brought it to many, many other people in many, many other places. And when we take it, we encourage you to take it to God first. And when you do, come with a contrite heart, say, now Lord, what would you have me to do? Now Lord, what should be my actions and what should be my attitude? Like God said to Jeremiah, God may be saying to you, what do you see? Well, I'm asking you today, you, we're just not saying this, I'm asking you, what do you see? What do you see when you look into God's Word? All of God's Word points to the cross of Christ. It's because we live in a fallen world. It's because we live in a world that continues to be falling due to sin that God sent His only begotten Son so that He might come and that He might die for us on the cross and take our place so that our sins might be forgiven. Well, what else do you see today? What else do you see when you look at God's Word? <laughs> Well, God's Word points to an empty tomb. 
Because we know that Jesus conquered death. He's not dead. He is alive. And because He's alive, He gives life. Real life. And He gives us everlasting life. Well, next time you're discouraged, next time you have doubts, take it to God and remember what God's Word shows. He shows a cross in an empty tomb. When Jeremiah was born, remember it was the evil king Manasseh was the king of Judah. When God called him, Josiah was king. Chapter 1 and verse 2 of Jeremiah, we didn't read it, but there it tells us that it was the 13th year of Josiah's reign. Manasseh was king and then his son Ammon was king, but only a couple of years before he was assassinated. Ammon was as nearly as bad as his father. Then Josiah became king at the age of eight years old. King at the age of eight. That must have been something. But he became one of the best kings of Judah, serving more like David did than like his father and grandfather. At the age of 17, he began to bring reform to the kingdom and he began to remove the idols from the holy places. At the age of 26, he rebuilt the temple and there they made a startling discovery. The book of the law had long since been forgotten and lost, but during the reconstruction of the temple, they came across the book of the law. And either it was the first five books of the Bible or maybe just the book of Deuteronomy, we do not know. But it was found during that reconstruction and it brought great humility and hunger for God, at least for King Josiah. He had it read to the people, sought to have the people follow every word, and in many ways the people did what the king required. But for most their hearts remained unchanged. There was outward reform, but there was not inward repentance and transformation. Jeremiah's preaching and ministry would outlive King Josiah, but he would call for true change that begins within and from the heart. But the people refused to listen. They felt and believed like a lot of people do today. What do I need? Why do I need to change? I go to temple, I give a tithe, I make sacrifices. What more is there? God prepared Jeremiah for the opposition that he would face. Look at verse 17 and following of Jeremiah chapter 1. There it says, But you dress yourself for work, arise and say to them everything that I command you. Do not be dismayed by them, lest I dismay you before them. <coughs> and I, behold, I make you this day a fortified city. He's talking to Jeremiah. He said, Jeremiah, you're going to be a fortified city yourself, an iron pillar and a bronze wall against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, its officials, its priests, and the people of the land. Verse 19 says, They'll fight against you, but they shall not prevail against you, for I am with you, declares the Lord, to deliver you. Here's what else you need to know about God's call on your life. Be ready to stand alone. If that's what God requires. Even if no one else follows, you're the only one who's seeking the Lord you need to be ready to stand alone. But you're really not alone, are you? We read in verse 19 just a moment ago, God told Jeremiah, He's telling us today, I am with you. Also, we as a church, we want to be faithful to the mission. We serve together, but the faithfulness of the church to her mission depends on the faithfulness of each member of the body of Christ. So for those of us who are willing to stand alone, we're able to stand together as we seek to follow Him. Well, how can you know God's call? It's one of the most often asked questions people want to know. 
they come and ask me, how can I know God's will? How can I know for sure? What's God's purpose for me in my life? Well, hey, if you're asking, you're at least on the right track. But let me give you two or three of those things that you need to know. Prayer is essential. If you, if you want to know something, ask. I can't tell you how many times I need to make a decision or know about something and I've wondered about it, I've pondered over it, I've reasoned about it. And it's not till after spending adequate time in prayer. Boy, the answer seemed obvious. That's not always that easy. The answer to what God's call or God's will or making choices that does not always come immediate, but prayer is essential. I'll say this. If you knew that you could get an answer from God by praying a certain amount of time of prayer, or I could give you a particular formula today. Follow this formula. You'll know God's call. You'll know God's answer for whatever it is that you're asking. Boy, you'd want to know that. And you might even follow that. But you'd only follow it when you need it. I think sometimes God may not answer our prayers immediately. One reason may be because He wants us to come back to Him again and again and again, because the most important thing to God is that we have a relationship with Him, more important than anything else. For 24 hours this week, we brought in the new year, had someone, or sometimes multiples of people praying here in this sanctuary. Some of you prayed at home. We asked all of our members to spend one hour in prayer as you brought in the new year. Thank you for your prayers. These prayers are essential for the church to move forward in the new year. We'll be talking more and more about prayer in 2020 as we this is a year of prayer and preparation, we believe. And I'm, I'm not a prophet, nor am I the son of a prophet, but I think I can tell you this. We will not be moving forward to the next level. We will not be able to accomplish what God's call is for His church at Parkway unless we step up our dependence on God through prayer individually, including your pastor, and corporately as a body of believers. Do you want to be a part of a growing church and moving forward to fulfill the mission? Do you want to follow God's call on your life? Well, prayer is going to be essential. By the way, on this bringing in the new year and decade with every member praying for an hour, it's not too late. We have prayer guides if you'd like to use. And most of those who did not pray at the church, many of those told us either beforehand or afterwards, I'm going to spend time in prayer, this is going to be my hour. I had one deacon on New Year's morning sometime around 6 a.m. or 7 a.m. text me to let me know that he was starting his prayer. I thought, dude, I didn't get in bed till 2.30. You could have waited to tell me. No, I really didn't feel that way. It warmed my heart. But if you want to know your calling for the future, not only prayer is essential, but trust and obey every day. It's going to be hard for you and me to know what God wants us to do in the future if we're not being obedient to what God has called us to do today. Or are you burdened with what the future holds? Well, do what you know to do today. Do what you know pleases God until He gives you further instructions. Did you notice verse 17? Ah, oh, stay with me here for just a moment because I don't want you to miss this. Do you notice what God said after He called him said, this is what you need to do. He says, but you dress yourself for work. Arise and say to them everything that I command you. If you want to know about God's call, you want to know about the future, well, tomorrow, get up, get dressed, go to work. Go to school, do your daily tasks, spend time in prayer, and do today what you know to do. God will reveal Himself in His timing.
one more key element. And it's important, but it's a total submission of the heart. Many or most people, if they want to know God's will or something about the future, they'll, they really want what they want to do. They want to know that all the future entails of what God would have them to do, and then they want to decide whether they're going to follow that or not. I found that God doesn't usually work that way. He usually reveals Himself and more likely reveals Himself to those who are willing, to those who have determined that they're going to follow God no matter what or where the call may take. Now, this is what could take time because it cannot be just mere words. It has to be a true condition of the heart, a willingness to follow no matter what. At, At the age of nine... I walked down the aisle of the church in which my family was attending and I told the church that God was calling me to preach. Now, I wasn't sure what to do next. I thought, well, do I start preaching right now? And as a matter of fact, I did. I preached a sermon at the VBS commencement that summer. I mean, it was planned. I just didn't get up and start preaching. I was asked to preach my very first sermon, age 9th, the VBS It must not have been very good because I didn't preach again until I was 17. So it must not have gone really, really well, you understand. But but all I I struggled with that call, particularly in high school and even in college, about, Lord, is this really what you want me to do? Is it really what I want to do? And part of the reason was because it scared me to death to think of being a pastor or a preacher. What is it they say that is the... uh, the things that people, two things that people fear most, death and speaking in public. Well, hey, it still happens to me today. But it was not until I came to the point in my life to where I truly felt in my heart that I was truly willing to do whatever God wanted. Preach, not preach, do this, do that, whatever the Lord was calling. That's when I knew. And I felt a peace about God's call. Still today, if I ever think of doing something else, well, I'm on my four decades I've been doing this kind of thing. So there's been times, Lord, do you want me to do something else? Or maybe I just want to do something else. But then I come back again. Lord, I'm willing to do whatever it is that you want, whatever you've called me to do. You'll need to ask God's help in this. Will you be willing to follow no matter what? Then He's more likely to let you know what that is. There are many miserable Christians who are so afraid of what God might call them to do, or so tied to the things of this world, they have never submitted their heart to what God requires. I love you too much to allow you to continue to be a miserable Christian. Submit your heart totally to the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus said, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take of his cross, and follow me. Jeremiah had a choice to follow God's call or not. God told him it would always be the popular choice. In fact, it hardly ever was for Jeremiah. Somebody gave me a plaque that I keep in my office and has the quote from Henry David Thoreau that says this, If a man does not keep pace with his companions, perhaps it's because he hears a different drummer. Let him step to the music which he hears, however measured or far away. Well, Thoreau was probably not thinking of the followers of Jesus. But the beat or the music that Jesus plays, it's not going to be in tune to the rest of the world. So what will be your decision? Will it be to conform to the crowd 
or to carry the cross. Because I got to tell you, there's really no standing still. One of two of these things are happening. Either you're conforming more to this world, more to the crowd, or you're carrying the cross and becoming more like Him. It's the day of new beginnings. It's the week of new beginnings. It's the first Sunday of this year, first Sunday of this decade. There needs to be a new beginning, recommitment, or just to be able to say, Lord, help me to continue in the direction that you've brought me so far. Today needs to be the day for that. Maybe it's the day that you need to give your heart and life over to Jesus. That Today, that you become a follower of the Lord Jesus, we encourage you to do that. Or maybe to let other people know. Maybe it's the day that you begin a commitment being a part of God's family here at Parkway Baptist Church. We encourage you to follow God's call. Let me pray for you. Gracious Heavenly Father, as we come to this point in the service, we believe and know that Your Word does not return void and that even now, Father, it's working in our hearts so that we might make the commitments that we need to make, Father, to be a part of the purpose and the call that You have for each one of us. Father, may even now the Holy Spirit be at work. We pray, Father, if there's one here that needs to give their heart and life to You as Lord and Savior. Father, today, know that they can call upon You. Today, they can come down this aisle proclaiming the name of Jesus, that they want to be a follower of the Lord Jesus. Father, we pray that nothing will hinder, nothing will be put off, that today will be the day we commit ourselves to You. Thank You for continuing to be at work in the lives of the members of this church and all those who come in. It's in Christ's name we lift these prayers. Amen.